Chester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome to Rochester Today. It's Thursday. Tom Ostrom's here. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Always great to see you again. And you too. And we just talked a couple days ago and a lot of things have transpired since then. So we have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. But first, we go to the mailbag, and we heard, uh, I heard from a, a longtime listener, Tom. You know, often, I don't often have that many mailbags, but uh, our longtime friend John uh, contacted us and uh, mentioned that he's listening often and uh, commenting, of course, about the classified document problem being faced by President Biden and mm-hmm. commented, I bet if you search for documents, at Obama, Bush, Clinton, or even Carter's house, you would find classified documents. <laughs> Makes true. me wonder what gets classified. Maybe even used Kleenex at the <laughs> White House is classified these days. So <laughs> thanks a lot, John. Thanks for listening, and I appreciate the humor. Oh, and John, uh, nice to hear from you, and good luck to you and all things. And uh, in fact, some people are saying, should Obama be checked? Uh, it seems like with Pence getting also classified document. He ball, Pence balled uh, Trump out for having it, and then he finds out he didn't know, and he's got some, and, and people are saying, what about Obama? Should his homes be checked? So John has good humor, but he's got some insight too. On the humor front on that issue as well, I've seen these memes on social media, and one of them was, why don't we just give up and move the National Archives to Delaware? <laughs> That's a good one. I thought that was pretty good, too. Well, but it blows this out of the water that Trump is so nasty because he had better security than Biden did. And evidently, and, and, and if Pence and Biden say they didn't know they had it, that makes them sound even worse that they didn't know. So uh, it goes on, but it'll sure wipe away the danger to Trump. Uh, prosecutors probably won't want to do anything with it. Well, you would think so. What else? Do you have any mailbag, Tom? Yes, I do. Uh, On this topic, um, Branko, the satirical political cartoonist, uh, he's got a classified document box with locks on it. It says President Trump, Mar-a-Lago, and the liberals are calling that and him the crime of the century. But then Branko shows (laughs) Biden with his sports car in the garage and broken and uh, opened boxes that say classified documents, Vice President Biden, and that's labeled by the left-wing media, inadvertent mistake. (laughs) Another funny meme just came to mind that I saw. Uh, Jay Leno has a car show on cable. And if anybody follows Jay Leno, they know he's just an absolute car nut and has an unbelievable collection of automobiles. And during one of his shows, he actually featured Joe Biden and Joe Biden's Corvette, which I've said before, is a gorgeous car. It's a beautiful machine. And somebody had taken an image from that TV show. Mm-hmm. And if I remember it correctly, it shows Biden and Leno standing in front of the Corvette. And Leno's got something in his hands. He's like, look what I found in the glove box. And it was labeled classified materials. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Leno was badly burned in working on one of his vehicles. Remember that? Yes. And he's 
he could have been badly injured or killed or his eyes or who knows what could have happened. But a, a worker colleague was there in time to pull him out from under and, and help him. But he's been scarred and uh, uh, in, in an accident there. I hope he's getting better. He's, he's back to working. So uh, yeah, obviously he's doing much better. Yes. Good. Uh, this from Angie. Hello, Tom. Minnesota will be the abortion capital of the world other than China and North Korea. DFL legislators passed a bill that ends all protection and limits with abortions in this state, thanks to uh, Liebling and Hicks and Smith of Olmsted County and others. Even if a baby survives abortion, there's no protection if this passes the Senate. Uh, Republicans fought to keep some limits uh, on this procedure, um, uh, except for rape, incest, life of the mother and providing anesthesia while the baby dies. But Democrats voted against every protection. They don't want any precedence for our innocent vulnerables. Also, young teenage girls will be able to get an abortion without their parents knowing about it. And abortion facilities don't even need to be licensed or inspected under this bill. I hope this doesn't pass the Senate. Uh, and it's just, uh, she finds all of this uh, very frightening. In that, on that issue, um... Bill Werner from the Minnesota News Network was on a week or so ago with myself, and we talked a bit about this issue. And he wondered, and it was speculation on his part, if some of the restrictions that our listener was talking about will be included in a Senate bill and that that there would be some sort of compromise before this is sent to the governor's desk, particularly um, the third trimester abortions and particularly the parental consent business. Um, He had spoken to some lawmakers who are a bit queasy about the idea that essentially you're giving, I don't know what the terminology I want to use without sounding glib, but a potential ability for sex traffickers to use underage girls, and if they were to become pregnant, take them to abortion clinics to get abortions and nobody who would actually try to care for this child who is a victim of a crime already would be there to stop this process or even know of the process. Mm. So that may get thrown into the debate before this thing gets finalized. Mm. Wow. The whole thing is, yeah. Isn't it? It's a a horrible uh, moral, uh, political, and legal dilemma. But uh, those who would uh, argue with people who be uh, would be opposed to abortion, um, you don't have a right to comment on it, Tom. Whatever you say is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm just astonished, uh, Andy, that the left has been able to make the word Christian bad, police officer bad, uh, and pro-life is a bad term, and pro-lifers are bad. I just don't understand how they've pulled this off. I was pondering this just the other day, Tom, after we finished our show on Tuesday. And I I remember well over a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago, you were talking about what was happening on the campuses of our country at that time. What you were seeing in the social studies areas uh, and you were lamenting um how politicized it had become and it was even politicized when you were teaching and how much more it was becoming and the atmosphere on the campus 
and and I and I thought, well, it's on the campuses. Stuff on the campuses doesn't translate to the streets necessarily. But you you warned of this. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad you don't remember warning me. <laughs> you did mm. <laughs> that uh, if what was happening on those campuses um, moves out into the uh, real world of politics, this would be the result of it, and it, it is happening today. Mm. Well, your formidable computer memory uh, honors me with that. I, uh, I, I, wow, I, I, I was concerned with how textbooks were being written, especially about American history and, and the social sciences. When, and I often recited, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you, Andy. I'm glad you recited uh, some of my concerns. I do have to admit that there was some fussing about such things that Rochester Community College, as it was called then, uh, Rochester Community and Technical College. But I must say the progressives and liberals uh, around me were more sensible. I, uh, I, I, I got my quotes and my examples from the uh, so-called elite colleges. <laughs> but uh, I, I trust even today that there's some sensibility occurring at RCTC. Uh, a lot of but at Madison, Wisconsin, I'm not so sure. Yeah, at right. Berkeley, not so sure. Right. And our public school teachers here, as you and I have mentioned, are, are there, they don't seem to be getting swept up in this wokest extremism. So we're, we always have to be careful to say our comments are, are often addressed elsewhere. Anything else in the mailbag? Have we got time or should I put this one for next time? I'll go ahead. One oh. more. Okay. And we can take time from the other categories because we always have so much to cover, Andrew. Uh, this from Jerry, uh, and he is well-educated. He's a technical professional. He was at IBM and he was in the U.S. Navy. So he absorbs this technology as well as you absorb it, Andy. And here's what he says. Tom, the libs seem hell-bent on forcing EVS, that's electronic vehicles, electric vehicles down the throats of the average citizen, even though most people don't want them, can't afford them, aren't ready for them. I would not get an EV myself until they are equal or better to fossil fuels uh, in cost, access, safety, and usability. The range of EVs is shorter than present vehicles, takes longer to fill up than our gas tank does, and uh, the generation of electricity uh, that's that based on the building of the concepts still pollutes. EVs pollute the mining of the minerals to furnish to them like cobalt and lithium create pollution. Con construction of batteries and disposal creates it. And uh, uh, EVs will cause an electric shortage of power. I vote for hydrogen power and a fuel cell to generate electricity in the vehicle. And uh, that's some of his uh, assessments of this issue. All right. That's the mailbag. We'll take a break. Be back in a moment with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hey, Kurt St. John here with good news. The 2020 Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. Rochester Today continues. State local topics of discussion. Update, Tom, on the uh, Hamlin University situation. Mm -hmm. Last we talked, the 
faculty member who did not have their contract renewed because of the controversy over the artwork of the Prophet Muhammad was suing. Now the faculty association at Hamlin University is calling for the resignation of Hamlin's president. Mm. So that goes on. Well, so they are protecting the adjunct female art history professor. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's good. Interesting. I mean, this may be a milestone in this entire ongoing battle over this these types of issues. And it takes some courage for, for her faculty colleagues and her, but uh, they are supported by a Muslim organization that understands the issues and uh, the care with which the art history professor uh, prepared this class. So that's refreshing too, although some Muslim organizations still have the traditional view. Well, that's interesting. Tom Emmer, uh, Minnesota representative in Congress, and he's the majority whip, which means he has a lot of influence in scheduling and vote counting and everything. And he's, he was asked, uh, are you in favor of impeaching President Biden for the various things that uh, he and his family are, are, are accused of? And he said, if it rises to a level of impeachable malfeasance, uh, it should come to the floor and we have to consider it. So yes, we, we do. Uh, and as we do, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas um, and, and his policies or lack thereof at the border. And he said the best disinfection, uh, disinfectant for corruption is transparency. And we intend to pursue that and the double standard that often is there for uh, accountability between Biden and former President Trump uh, in breaches of the public trust. So uh, yeah, he'll be busy as things progress. He'll be at the forefront of a lot of this, that's for sure. Yes. This from John Hinderaker, Powerline. How dumb can politicians get? The city of Minneapolis is in decline. It was before COVID and before George Lloyd, abysmal governance, high taxes, has driven away many businesses from Minnesota, especially the Twin Cities. COVID shutdowns, riots, skyrocketing, skyrocketing violence. The city is a disaster area. Who'd want to try to run a business in Minneapolis? Uh, so the city streets are now lined with closed or abandoned storefronts. And then he said, added to this, this gave Minneapolis City Council members a great idea, they think a tax on the vacant buildings. That'll force whoever owns the buildings to put businesses in them, whether they like it or not, regardless of the money and the crime. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Or even worse yet, forfeit the properties to the city of Minneapolis for tax sale, and then they'll become even more decrepit because if you don't have a demand for the commercial space, it doesn't magically get filled. The parents who've run for office to take the wokeism out of schools are being quite successful. And a man named Matt Audette was in trouble uh, by Democrats, by, by liberal board members, and by uh, DFLers because he was elected to the board. This from Alpha News, uh, Sheila Quails. And the DFL issued a rallying cry against a conservative uh, board member 
uh, in the Anoka Hennepin uh, school system. And uh, they were going to have a meeting to dress down uh, this, uh, this new board member for his uh, actions uh, against their, their liberal school policies and their aggression against parents. And the DFLers wanted a huge uh, assembly to question uh, Audet and force him into uh, being less aggressive. But this was announced on Facebook and elsewhere, come to the meeting, we have to take care of this man. Uh, his, his attacks on equity and instruction and the uh, uh, things that are being taught are extreme. Well, what happened? People came to the meeting, all right. Hundreds, stand up only crowd, um, community members, overwhelming support of Mr. Audet in his conservative positions. There were some board members that tried to argue with the crowd and they were pretty much dressed down and uh, the uh, parents here. And one, one of the parents that supported him, a white parent, who has biracial children. He says white children and black children. And he said, the board does not listen to us. We don't want critical race theory. We don't want divisiveness. They're teaching my adopted black child, children that they're oppressed and my white children that they're the oppressors. Uh, we like Matt, we want him here. He's our voice and a mother agreed and said, why? So the people that wanted to get rid of him uh, got pushback. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. And then my last Minnesota item, uh, Twin Cities legislators in, uh, introduced a bill to block a mining facility in Northeast Minnesota out of a desire to protect the boundary waters, uh, the mining uh, industry there that wants to operate. And people say they'll, they'll damage the uh, boundary waters canoe areas. Uh, but there are usually DFLers that want to stop all this, and it's Republicans that are pro-business that want the mining company to proceed with their with their with their mining. Uh, uh, a planned copper nickel mining facility during, uh, by Ely, and the uh, the working class up there supports it, even Democrats. But uh, Twin Cities legislators are trying to block the mining facility and prevent it from operating. And that is why you are seeing a diminishing strength among the Democrats in, on the Iron Range. Uh, other than the urban center of Duluth, once you leave Duluth, you start to see more and more uh, Republican uh, candidate signs and Republican issue signs mm -hmm. as you head out into more of the countryside. It's interesting to watch what's happening up there. One other thing before we leave on the state news. Um, uh, after we got done with our program on Tuesday, the governor issued his overall budget proposal. And uh, it's notable that it would increase the size of the state government 25%. Um, mm. 25% increase in spending. Mm -hmm. uh, also, he is calling for historic, what he terms historic tax relief. Um, most of it, a big chunk of it going back in the form of rebate checks, although they're not being called that. But uh, most of the other tax relief, well, some of it actually, I, I think quite notably, uh, he is willing to give on the Social Security tax issue, which has long been pushed by Republicans. But that's drawn the ire of many House Democrats uh, who do not wish to 
move forward to that because they see that as a tax break for the rich um, or the wealthy, I better say. And uh, there's some tax breaks for farmers in there to help them deal with property tax issues when it comes up to referendum for new schools and things like that. But a big chunk of the money is going to go into low-income tax credits uh, that would uh, provide additional funding for those who earn less than, I think, $50,000 a year. So it's going to... It's going to be interesting to see how even the Democrats fight this out because they uh, certainly are not unified on, on what to do with this huge amount of surplus cash they have on hand from what many would argue was uh, excess taxation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, stay tuned. Yeah, and I've read about that too. And uh, uh, along with what you said, uh, the Democrats and Republicans will have to figure out who gets the largesse? Uh, the governor, Governor Waltz, wants to see that surplus money is dispensed to Minnesota citizens, but who and at what levels and what amounts has to go through the legislature and committees and everything else? So, uh, as you suggested, that's on the table too. But his uh, his budget will be a huge bonus for public education. They're, uh, largest increase in funding for public education. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that affects the Rochester School District, which is in the midst of trying to find a way to cut $14 million in spending for the next school year, which would require some mm. teacher position cuts, um, maybe even close to 80 of them, but that's still to be worked out. But whether that state money will erase the need for that, I do not know, but I do know that next Monday... We'll be talking with the superintendent on this program, so we'll try to get some answers for you. Wow. We have to take a break for news, though. Right now, Tom, we'll be back after the news break with more of Rochester Today. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Streaming only on Peacock. From the mind of... Tom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. And I guess, Tom, what do you want to start with on the national front? Well, Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, has certainly gotten tough, uh, and the uh, the clique that voted for him after he they after he promised to get tougher on these issues uh, are not disappointed in him. Kevin McCarthy booted both the Democrat uh, Congressman Schiff and Democrat Congressman Swalwell from the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, Swalwell, because of his uh, liaison with a allegedly with a with a china spy and and then uh shift who mccarthy says uh, covered up information lied about it in his quest to destroy trump and and he said neither of those men are fit for the intelligence committee and he wants to get uh uh our congresswoman too representative omar omar uh, off of of, uh, of the uh, foreign policy committee because of her anti-semitism well, Schiff and Swalwell and the Democrats are saying we're going to do what we can to keep them on the committees. And uh, McCarthy doesn't have the authority to do this. Well, McCarthy says uh, Pelosi did it. Speaker Pelosi took Republicans off the January 6th committee, and that's why the committee's work is so questionable. But anyway, integrity matters. And then a reporter dared to go after Kevin McCarthy and insult him and his inconsistency and uh, ignorance in doing this 
and we haven't got time to quote, but McCarthy went after that reporter with this and that and this example and that example and the liberal press, you're not doing your job and you're not aware of this and just flayed the guy. <laughs> so he's gotten a backbone. <laughs> um, the bit was shift too. I read an article that uh, outlined some of his, I'll be kind and say inaccuracies, uh, especially pertaining to the uh, Intelligence Committee and as well as the January 6th Committee. Um, well, some would label them just bald-faced lies, but he would uh, he would be confronted with what were termed as facts, deny them, and then turn around. I, I, it was exactly, what was the guy's name from Georgia? Was it Nunez? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, from California. Oh, oh he's Nunez. California. I'm sorry. Dairy he can't. He came out with a report uh, condemning the use of the Christopher Steele dossier to obtain search warrants and wiretaps on Trump's aides at Trump Tower and pointed out how the, uh, in the Justice Department never informed the special commission that issues these FISA warrants of the problems with the dossier, even though they were aware of those problems. And Schiff came out and basically issued his own report, which contained alleged falsehoods about that very same process, which allowed the major media players to be dismissive of the Nunez report which in the end we find out was an accurate description. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an yeah. accurate one. And yeah. accurate one, yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, that's the stuff of scandals, but it doesn't seem to be a scandal. No, it doesn't. And then you've got Senator Clyburn, South Carolina Democrat. <laughs> he says this, the Republicans shouldn't be investigating the Department of Justice on these Biden issues. Uh, because the DOJ is part of the administration, and that's the executive branch. So Congress should not be interfering or doing these investigations. <laughs> Somebody needs to go back to civics class. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> that was exactly why they gave Congress the power of subpoena, for crying out loud. Exactly. Exactly. And Joe Biden... Um, you know, uh, the secret, Joe Biden goes off on vacations to his summer dwellings and uh, and he won't release a visitor's list to who visits him there, what deals he makes with who or what he's done. He just says, uh, uh, this is separate uh, and we won't uh, give you the, uh, the list of who visits me. So the Republicans are putting pressure on the Secret Service. Uh, who says we don't keep a formal list of who visits, but we do, or, or what they talk about, but we do know who they are. We have to protect the president. We have to know who's getting close to the president. And we do have a list of who has visited, and we will release it if requested by Congress. Oh, okay. I suspect that will be requested pretty soon. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as the uh, classified documents mess, uh, we we did allude to it during the mailbag portion of the show earlier in the hour. 
But since we have chatted, of course, you mentioned that former Vice President Pence has disclosed that his team has discovered some classified documents in his files that were removed during the transition period and has returned them. Um, I think what we're going to discover after all this is said and done is that our process of handling classified materials needs some work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it might be perhaps Mm -hmm. some of this stuff doesn't need to be classified. That might be part of it. Mm-hmm. But also, it seems as if the rules are a bit loose. And mm-hmm. they have probably been a bit loose for a long, long time. And I suspect that if you checked any member of the intelligence committees in either the Senate or the House, you might find out that they might have taken home classified documents in their briefcase sure. now and then. Sure. Um, and, and if you're going to label something top secret or classified, then it should be treated that way if if that type of classified information or it's become so commonplace to label things classified when perhaps they don't need to be classified that also has to be reformed Mm -hmm. because this is this is getting to the point of just being silly it did it is it is but it certainly destroys the democrats attempt to use documents to nail trump this is just out of the out of the water now. Well, it, it what it points to was the lack of any foresight or wisdom in the decision to run the investigation in the way they did. Yes. Because there had to be somebody in the room that says, ah, you know, this might come back and bite us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you bet. You bet. And uh, this from the Daily Caller, Daily Call, I never know how to say call, call, caller. Daily Caller, C-A-L-L-E-R. Um, the National Archives, they didn't do this to protect Trump, but they're refusing to give House Republicans information on the Biden documents that they know about, the processes and what their involvement is. They won't give the Republicans information. I don't know how the Republicans will get it. That was, well, the power of subpoena that you mentioned, you know, you can bet the uh, U.S. Senate won't help this, the Republican House but once again, it's supposed to be classified. Mm-hmm. But they won't give the Republicans information. But they sure gave information about Trump to anyone who wanted it, including the media. And then uh, uh, this from Just the News, John Solomon's news out, outlet, the great investigative reporter that he is, the Department of Justice is declining to give the House Republicans requests to hand over investigation materials, i.e., uh, how was the Trump Mar-a-Lago Lago, uh, investigation handled? Uh, uh, what are we investigating? What do we know? What do we not know? And so uh, Republicans, will have, Republicans will have a hard time getting their uh, hearings going. Well, they can hold hearings and say we don't have anything to discuss because the Justice Department refuses to hand over the documents. Yeah. The one other topic we haven't talked about, Tom, and we only have a couple minutes here, I wanted to bring it up, though, was the debt ceiling issue is back again. Uh, we are, I think we're at $32 trillion, somewhere in that neighborhood for the national debt. 
and the rate of spending is we're burning through cash. And the federal government needs the ability to print some more cash. So once again, what in the past had been a routine request to lift the debt limit, um, of course, it was routine when we didn't have a $32 trillion debt. The debt of the nation was measured in the hundreds of billions of dollars then, not in the multiples of trillions. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a, a, it should be the most important issue being talked about today in Washington, but obviously it isn't. Um, President Biden flat out refusing to negotiate with the House Republicans over potential spending reductions uh, in order to begin the process of actually unwinding the debt. And of course, we have some members of the House Republican caucus who are, well, the same group that held up the McCarthy vote who are willing to take this right down to the wire and try to force the president's hand in a game of chicken of course, this is going to play out over months, but right now it's being covered as it has to happen right now. It really doesn't have to happen right now. But it is uh, it is strange to think that the executive branch won't even sit down and discuss issues. It's a flat out, nope, you're going to raise the debt limit. We're not even going to talk to you. That's it. Yeah. As And who knows what will happen? I I, I could see this group uh, within the caucus of the House Republicans playing to the point of playing this brinkmanship to the point where it gets pretty dangerous as far as the national debt is concerned. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and Biden may be making a really poor gamble here. I think he's gambling that that they'll cave as they have in the past, but. I think what we saw with the McCarthy vote, you have a group here that is um, pretty willing to stand up and and take the heat while this stuff goes down. So I'll uh, watch this one very, very carefully. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. We probably should take another break. Back after, well, after this, (laughs) Rochester Today. News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm an addict. If football's on TV. With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. Tom and Andy. Um, I want to clarify something before we move on to the international. When I said this is the most important issue they should be talking about in Washington, I'm not talking about the debt ceiling issue. I'm talking about our out-of-control deficits and the national debt. That's what I'm speaking of. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I remember uh, Senator Harry Truman got fame and eventually the presidency because uh, he conducted hearings into defense contractors and how much money they made from war and how they paid off politicians to uh, be pro-war and they benefited from it. And the, the nation thought and Congress thought that was an outrage of these greedy uh, defense contractors. Well, now in the Ukraine war, it seems different. And the European and U.S. defense contractors are just uh, g- uh, giddy over what they say they will make and rake in the millions in the Ukraine war, uh, first from uh, selling of the Ukraine our, our military weaponry, but then after the war, 
the reconstruction of the Ukraine, which will cost trillions of dollars. And German contractors are giddy about it. So are some others. Uh, so are U.S. contractors that will be involved in rebuilding. But the United States is paying the most money for the war and the destruction. Uh, I don't know how much they'll be involved in the rebuilding, but uh, I've got defense contractors. The Germans are very happy about it. Uh, uh, and the money that they think they're going to make rebuilding the Ukraine after the war. And one German defense contractor got in a little bit of trouble. He said, uh, we'll make lots of money if Russia doesn't win the war. And wow, is he in trouble. But, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, the post-reconstruction plans in the mix with profits. Uh, the German chancellor bragged about the economic miracle that will take place in post-war Ukraine and, and how European contractors will, will make a fortune. They got to stop destroying stuff first, but this is what it is, right? It's the military industrial complex talked about Eisenhower. Exactly. After Truman talked about it. And uh, the U.S. defense contractors are already being chided because they're not ready to refill our armament stores. They. They say it's at least two to three years out before we can restore our supplies of anti-tank, anti-aircraft weapons, some of you know, the more sophisticated javelins and some of the other armaments, the HIMARS, uh, the shells used in the HIMARS, the shells used in regular ammunition. We're drawing down our stockpiles mm -hmm. uh, by sending them over to Ukraine, while at the same time we're facing the possibility of a conflict uh, with the Chinese over Taiwan. And this has got to be looked at by the Chinese as a potential weakness for the United States that we do not have enough stockpiles of these weapons and armaments to sustain a conventional conflict against the Chinese for perhaps more than a week or two. Uh, yeah. And it will take years for this to be corrected. So the, regardless of Taiwan or regardless of Ukraine, the uh, defense contractors of the United States are are going to make a lot of jing over the next few years mm -hmm. um, resupplying the U.S. military forces. That's right, and that will cost taxpayers a lot of money doing the resupply building. And now Germany and the U.S. have conceded and will do what they were reluctant to do earlier. Germany has some very advanced uh, tank weaponry and tanks and so does the U.S. And they were both reluctant to send them to the Ukraine because of the complexity, the cost, the training involved. Uh, but now both countries say we're going to send the Ukraine these modern tanks. And Putin says there's got to be a line and we're ready to use nuclear weapons if these tanks and other things and go after the people uh, if they're delivered to the Ukraine because the U.S. has threatened to remove my government. They've threatened to put me on war crimes trials, and we will not allow ourselves to be defeated in the Ukraine. Uh, and uh, the more we get uh, these problems from the West, the more inclined we will be to sacrifice and use any weapons we can to save our own nation. And so uh, are we getting closer to war or is Putin bluffing? And But anyway, Ukraine's gonna get more advanced uh, tanks now.
Yeah, the Abrams and the Leopard, I think it was the Leopard. Other. I think they're getting more of the German tanks than they are of the American tanks, but um, just because of the logistics involved in getting there. And plus, I think Poland is going to kick in a bunch of these mm-hmm. Leopards that they have as well. Yeah, they um, have German tanks that were they purchased, yeah. But then again, if you look at Putin's posturing, as you point out, is he bluffing? And do you do you give in to a person like that who uh, threatens Armageddon uh, when he was the aggressor of this case? And I know he argues he wasn't the aggressor, that it was NATO's encroachment on on what used to be the Soviet Union. But at the same time, he attacked first. I, yeah. I don't have a solution to it, but <laughs> I, I know I don't believe that either. Well, I don't think either military can prevail in this. I think the, the, ultimately this has to end with a political solution. I've said that all along. Mm-hmm. And the, this might just prolong the stalemate. I don't see the addition of a couple hundred tanks providing the Ukrainians enough firepower to dislodge the Russians from where they are establishing their strongholds in the east and parts of the south so but i didn't go to west point so i'm gonna wait and see what happens okay well we'll talk we have to run tom okay before i let you start another thought (laughs) i was just going to agree with you but now i won't (laughs) okay well we'll end on that we'll talk to you uh, next week next tuesday thanks so much tom you too This is Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Business owners, the first impression you make with a potential customer is through your